helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. I'm glad you could join me today. This is where we read and study the Constitution. Teach rising generation to be free. I hope you've been catching up from the holidays. I know I've been working hard to catch up from the holidays. And I'm looking forward to 2024. But there's a thought that was running through my mind earlier today. You see, during the Constitutional Convention, Alexander Hamilton said, We are now forming a Republican government. Real liberty is neither found in despotism or the extremes of democracy, but in moderate governments. Which got me thinking, why is there such a push in America today to change us from a republic into a democracy? I believe the answer is twofold, and by the way, neither of them are very good when it comes to freedom and liberty for the American people. So let's take some time today. Let's dive into this idea of turning us from a republic into a democracy. Let's see what the Constitution says about this and um, maybe get some thoughts about what we can do to help retain our freedom while there are those that are out there trying to take it away. Now, it's one of those things. I mean, it's become a pet peeve. It, It makes me cringe whenever I hear people refer to American democracy. And and part of the reason is we've been told it over and over again, and we never bothered correcting it. Or when it was corrected, it was always, oh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't really matter. There's a very fundamental reason, I believe two very fundamental reasons why. One, why we are a republic, not a democracy, and why trying to rewrite the English language to make a republic a form of democracy is dangerous. And again, these ideas don't all come from me. I, I get a lot of um, I get a lot of this information from our founding fathers. So we have this constant drumbeat of the American democracy, the American democracy, and we have to save everything's for the save the American democracy. And I have to wonder why. Now I understand part of it is well, it's ignorance. By ignorance, I mean a lack of knowledge. Right? We've all been told in schools and in media and in society that America, because Americans vote, we are therefore a democracy and therefore um, democracies are great because, well, America's great. Except that doesn't match the actual English language. You know how I like to say, go back to the original documents? So when Alexander Hamilton said that they were creating a republic uh, he did so, again, he had very good reasons. Why did he say so? He said, well, we'll get back to that for a second. Let's get back, let, let's start with the details. A republic. So I went back to Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Um, for those who are not familiar with it, I use this dictionary for a couple of very good reasons. One, it is very, you know, it was published in 1828, but Noah Webster, who published it, um, he was collecting uh, spellers. He used to, to publish spellers through the, um, the revolutionary era. So he was collecting definitions for the English language during the time that the founding fathers were drafting the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and these other documents. Yes, he didn't publish it as a dictionary until 1828, but he was collecting this information back in the 1700s 
during the, our formation. So he's he's going to have, I believe, the right definition. Also, he was invited to edit the Federalist Papers. So he was obviously well-known enough and respected enough that the, the, the gentleman who wrote the essays that became known as the Federalist Papers, which were Hamilton, Jay, and Madison, they said, you know what, Mr. Webster, he is a qualified to edit it to make sure we got it all right, right? to get the, the, the spelling and the language right, the proper use of language. Now, Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines a republic as a commonwealth a state in which the exercise of the sovereign power is lodged in representatives elected by the people. In modern usage, it differs from a democracy or democratic state in which the people exercise the powers of sovereignty in person. Now, that's a very important distinction, right? Because you have the idea of a republic. Um, we In the republic, the people don't write legislation. Right? We don't create laws. We hire representatives to do that. We take some of our power. The power is ours, but we invest it. We, we, we delegate it to representatives to act on our behalf. Now, compare that to a democracy, again, from Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Um, a democracy is a government by the, a government by the people, a form of government in which the supreme power is lodged in the hands of the people collectively, or in which the people exercise the powers of legislation. Notice a difference. In a republic, we hire representatives to do the dirty work, right? To create the laws, right? to exercise our power collectively. Whereas in democracy, we do it directly. That's right? sometimes referred to as a direct democracy, when the people are trying to differentiate it from a republic. The, the idea is we are exercising the power directly, or uh, uh, another way is, is if we are exercising the power of legislation directly. Now, again, I'm going to get to why this is important in just a minute, but I want you to see how that definition has changed, right? In 1828, a democracy meant that the people uh, um, acted collectively to, to exercise their power and, they, and or they, um, they legislated themselves. Let's look at the modern Merriam-Webster Dictionary, in this case, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary Online. It defines a democracy as a government by the people, a government in which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation, usually involving periodically held free elections. Do you see how the Merriam-Webster Dictionary has now incorporated a republic into a democracy, even though its original definition was separate. It was, there, was, there was a difference, and that difference is important. And I go back to Alexander Hamilton's words to explain why. He says, real liberty is neither found in despotism. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, right? If you've got a despot, you, you, you don't have real liberty. He's, he said, or the extremes of democracy. See, he saw democracies, examples of democracies that were radical and extreme. He says, no, but in moderate governments. So he looked at it and said, listen, you have despots, you have the extremes of democracy, and the republic is meant to be a moderate government, somewhere in the middle. And this can be borne out. The um, there are several states in the union that um, have a fairly that have a democratic process for updating their 
their uh, constitutions. Uh, Ohio, Florida, California. In all of these, the people legislate through their uh, 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 th- through their elections. They legislate by adding it to the constitution of the state. Uh, one of the greatest examples um, I can think of are states like Florida and California. Uh, in Florida, it is a part of their state constitution um, how people take care of hogs. There are hog farming rules in the state's constitution. Uh, in the um, California constitution, they write laws about taxation and other things into the constitution. In other words, the constitution is not a framework for creating government. It has gone past that into legislation. And you want to see the extremes. As I said, if you are a if you are a hog farmer in Florida, you are constitutionally required to make certain um, accommodations for your for your 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 hogs, your 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 property. And it's considered again, it's it, it cannot be overturned by state law. In other words, the people have directly legislated this to be fact. And um it does a couple things. One, it makes for very lengthy and legal legalese constitutions. It makes them very hard to read. But it also means that uh, things that maybe made sense at one point now cannot be changed because you actually have to modify the Constitution. You have to amend the Constitution to change things. Uh, take, for example, uh, California in, in the 2022 elections had... It looks like seven different propositions. Uh, they wanted to create a constitutional right to what they call reproductive freedom, including abortion and contraceptives. Um, they wanted to require funding for K through 12 art and music education, and they wanted to uphold a ban on the sale of flavored tobacco. Now, all three of those passed, but let me ask you: Is the the funding? Of K through twelve of, of public schools, uh, art, art and music education, is that really something that belongs in the constitution of the state? You are required, it, it, constitutionally required, to do this. We see that wasn't all that was included. Uh, yes, they legalized sports betting and they legalized online and, ma- and mobile sports betting within California. By the way, both of those failed. They also added. Enacting a staffing requirements, reporting requirements, ownership disclosure, and closing requirements for chronic dialysis clinics. That's right. Setting the rules for, for regulating dialysis clinics is now a part of the state constitution. Now, that did not pass, or at least they wanted it to be, it did not pass. They also wanted to establish a 1.75% tax on personal income above $2 million to, uh, promote uh, zero emission vehicles and wildfire programs. Now, that also did not pass. But you see, all of these, with the possible exception of the uh, um, reproductive freedom, this is legislation. See, only one of them dealt with freedom, dealt with, dealt with a right that the state was going to establish for itself a right to reproductive freedom. That's one. The other six... They didn't deal with, with rights. They weren't dealing with how the government functions. This was legislation done by Constitution. And why would they do that? Well, there's a very simple and easy explanation. 
You see, it's it's a lot easier to get a crowd of people to support something than it is to get legislators to support something. In other words, I would guess, I, I don't know for sure, but I would I would guess that, I would assume that all of these uh, propositions, except actually all of them, were attempted under legislation and failed. The one possible exception is I'm not sure about the constitutional rights, but I'm, I'm sure the rest of them, because that one, I believe that the legislative rights came through uh, the legislature, or sorry, the reproductive rights came through the legislature. The rest, I believe, came through um, the, the people requesting this. But in other words, the people didn't get the legislation they want, so they added it. They legislated for themselves. Why is that important? Well, I can't remember the name of the lady who did it. She was a, it was a British, uh, um, a British professor did a study, and she found that it in in places where political change was made, it really only took about a three percent of the people who were devoted to the idea, that were willing to to fight the good fight no matter what, that were able to change the process. They were able to change the way things work. They literally, you think of democracy as um, as majority rule, really, democracy is mob rule. See, if I can get enough people riled up about it, I can override pretty much everything, including, by the way, the Constitution of the United States. I can override the rights, the unalienable rights. I can infringe on them if I can convince, if I can whip up enough people to actually agree with me. And it's why you see things like uh, the push to be, um, they talk about the Senate not being democratic. It is. You just don't understand the purpose of the Senate. Um, there's equal representation among the states, the way it was designed. But it's this push to this idea of a national popular vote. Let the people choose a president, president rather than the states. Let's make it more democratic. Why is this push for, to make everything more democratic? I believe some people do it just because they've been they've been brainwashed into believing that democracy is good. Anything democratic is automatically good, which is uh, sadly a fallacy. But I think there's something more, and I think this this is held out by looking at the the agenda of the people calling for more democracy. See, answer this question: Who said democracy is indispensable to socialism? That was Vladimir Lenin. Maybe our push for democracy has nothing to do with actual majority rule. Maybe it has less to do with uh, you know one man, one woman, one vote. Maybe it's really an attempt to move us more towards socialism. And when you look at the people supporting it, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes, the Bernie Sanders, uh, the Democratic Party as a whole, one of the most undemocratic organizations I've met is promoting this idea of democracy while they are promoting an agenda of socialism. Now, I'm not saying that's the case, and I'm sure a lot of people who use the term American democracy don't understand. That's why I said it's ignorance. It's not, it's not that they uh, don't it's not that they're incapable of understanding. They they have they don't know they have been given misinformation. And it's one of the reasons why this grinds my gears, why this, this, this makes me grit my teeth. 
And I want to take a look at some of the, of the logical outcomes. But uh, before that, I, I've got a break coming up. And if I don't take the break, they're just going to cut me off some point And, well, you know, we don't want that. But before I go, you know, I, I'm, would you consider taking a look at Healthy Cell? They've got a lot of great products. One of them is called REM Sleep. Now, I don't know about you, but when I travel sometimes, I have a hard time falling asleep. Well, REM sleep is great. If you're tired of being tired, REM sleep helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deeply so you can wake up refreshed and, and off of your day. Using nothing but uh, 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 vitamins, the sleep supplement is designed to support all four stages of sleep. And I use it regularly. When I, when I travel, I will frequently throw uh, some REM sleep into my bag. About 20, 30 minutes before I go to bed, I take one. Again, helps you wind down and relax so I can fall asleep and good, good night sleep so I can be on the go the next day. Now, you can get 25% off your first order of REM sleep or anything from Healthy Cell if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. You can get all the details you need at americaoutloud.shop. So go to Healthy Cell, check out all the great products, but do me a favor, make sure you go to americaoutloud.shop first. You'll get all the details on the discounts and incentives you can get simply because you're an America Out Loud listener. And I remind you, use that code out loud whenever you check out from Healthy Cell. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, they're going to give you 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress, on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. 
Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study today. Uh, we're talking about our migration from a republic to a democracy. I know most Americans think we already are a democracy. That's not true. And that's kind of what I covered in the first segment is the basis for that statement and the facts to prove that. But I want to take a look at, at you know, at the end of that, I was talking about why this push toward a democracy. And I used the quote from Vladimir Lenin that democracy is indispensable to socialism. Uh, just look at true democracies. I, I don't mean what we're talking about with uh, um, you know, still representative. There, there are variations of a Republican form of government where people hire representatives, like you talk about Great Britain and modern Germany and Italy and most of the Western cultures. They're using a, a republic. Now, you start, the first time we start looking at true democracies, we look at something like, say, the French Revolution, you know, the one back in the 1700s, the one that came right after the American Revolution. And they had a drastically different way of looking at things. You had the, the American Revolution. We created our constitution. Um, we created a republic where the... Um, uh, the French were much more of a question of, of a democracy. But of course, once you get above a certain size, democracies start to have problems. How do you get several million people to vote on legislation? Think about it. It takes quite a bit. So, of course, then you have to have leaders. You have to have somebody that becomes a gatekeeper to what gets done. And sure enough, they frequently become their own forms of despots. They may have all the best of intentions, but eventually you end up with a small group of people making decisions that other people follow on with. And of course, it, I was born in the 1960s. So I remember the 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 Deutschland Democratic Republic, the, the German Democratic Republic. We used to call it East Germany. There was nothing about freedom and liberty and rights in the German Democratic Republic. And of course, you had the, the you have the Democratic Republic of the Congo, of Korea, of Vietnam. You have a lot of countries that claim they're a democratic republic, but when you look at them, well, in many ways, they're not neither democratic nor republic. It becomes a, a a title to make people think things are okay. So as we watch through these 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 democratic systems, um, we often see that people eventually you end up with people that um, they're in charge. You always end up with uh, with that. In fact, it's attributed to to Jefferson. Uh, although I, I haven't found proof that uh, I haven't found a quote of him actually saying it. It's often attributed to him, but no one's. I haven't actually found the the original source document where he talks about democracies being uh, mob rule that they always devolve into. Uh, of their own form of despotism. Um, you, you end up with somebody that, that takes charge. And we see that to some extent here in the, in the United States. Now, I bring this up for a couple of reasons. One is Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution of the United States says the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government, meaning that there are, that the people elect representatives to 
to represent their power, to represent their authority within the state, which, again, I find interesting when we see states, that their government is Republican, but they go around that process to um, democratically modify the Constitution that regulates their government. But I want to consider what do things look like as we follow you know, all those who are calling for American democracy and, and we got to do something about America. What does life look like when they are in charge, when they have leadership positions? Well, let's take a look at this. This is a, a video of the uh, mayor of Boston. And uh, well, listen to what she has to say. Every person, every human being has the legal right to come to the United States and seek asylum or shelter? Well, that's not exactly true. Yes, you have the, I would say you have the, I wouldn't say it is a right, but you can come to, you can seek shelter. You can seek asylum. You don't have a right to come here to do that. We have laws in the United States about how you go about seeking asylum, how you go about seeking shelter. America's a, a generous nation. I'm not saying our immigration and and an and asylum system isn't screwed up. It is. But people don't have the right to come here to seek asylum. They they may ask for asylum, but you are asking, and, and it's a very important point when you start talking about you have a right to come and seek asylum. You have a right to, to, to ask. You're asking for a privilege, not a right. So there's there's one of those little bit of kernels of truth would I say people have the right to ask for asylum? No. We have generously allowed people to ask for asylum because we're a generous people. That doesn't mean you have the right to come ask for it. And it certainly doesn't mean you have the right to come here to ask for it. We are offering you something. Therefore, we set the rules for it. But there's more to this. And um, those policies have been in place for a long time. Notice this, it's policies that have been in place, not laws. See, Congress has passed laws, and those laws, well, they have consequences. But the policies of different administrations will have either applied the law or not applied the law or just plain ignored the law in these situations. In other words, you don't have a, a, a republic. When the representatives of the people are, are, make a law, and the representative of the states, the president and the executive branch, right? Because remember, the electors are appointed by the states. When he simply make he or she, eventually she makes up their own rules, creates their own policies separate from the will of the elected branch of the people, that is neither a democracy nor, nor is it a republic. But look what happens when we let a, a few people decide policies rather than listening to the and representing the people they claim to serve but when the review of that individual's particular situation and the then decision to allow um the the pathway to stay and or work authorization that comes along with that when that process is so drawn out people are stuck they they are looking to work looking to contribute looking to be in a safe democracy where they can raise their families and um and here's another interesting twist right because the assumption the the assumption implied in the way she she responded to that was um well once you if you come here looking for asylum you're going to get asylum 
that you're not here claiming asylum when, say, you're a terrorist or your intentions are not beneficial. Oh, it's just these poor people coming to work and coming for a better life. That's not asylum, right? That's coming here for a, 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 a financial gain. Asylum is my life is threatened where I live and I'm looking for a safe place to be. Not all of those claims are going to be asylum. Not all of them are going to be valid. And not all of them are going to be, should be let in. But that's the point. She's like, well, you know, you come here and it takes so long. There's a reason why it takes so long. Actually, there's several reasons, in my opinion. Um, one is we want to actually vet you if you say you are seeking asylum. Are you actually seeking asylum or are you just seeking a better job? A better job is not asylum. So we start seeing this this twisting of words, and it takes so long. Well, yeah, you know, we got to vet people, and and oh, by the way, we have a a policies that have dragged this out and created such a mess because we've invited so many people here. But I want you to listen to this last little bit about the impact in this case on the cities. We at the city level are now dealing with many of the impacts of the processes having people fall through the cracks at the federal level. So we're working very closely with the state. Um, this is affecting municipalities across the Commonwealth to be able to triage the situation, create temporary um, housing so that families can get settled. And there's the last one. Oh, see, the city, the mayor of the city has decided that people who, quote, fall through the cracks, meaning people who are not here legally, people who came to this country in violation of our laws, that were allowed in waiting adjudication, adjudication process has been drawn out. Now the cities have to deal with that. But notice the cities that are primarily dealing with it. You have the cities on the border that are closest to the, the, the issue, but cities like Boston and Chicago and New York invited people that are here illegally by saying, we will not enforce the law we set a policy that says we're going to let you stay here and now they have to deal with the consequences. So yeah, some of the consequences are the fact that the, the federal government hasn't done what it said it's going to do. But part of the consequences are you invited people to come stay. I feel sorry that you've, you're suffering the consequences of what I assume was a, a, a generous offer, but you wrote a check your city can't cash. And now the debtors are at the door, the creditors are at the door going, what are you going to do? I mean, New York City Mayor, uh, Mayor Eric Adams has gone to D.C. trying to get to get money. And uh, he's warning, oh, the, the, these immigrants are going, the, the illegal immigrants will soon be forced to sleep on the streets because the city cannot keep its promise. You know, remember, they, they, they act like a. Uh, uh, Florida and, and, and Texas are simply packing up immigrants and forcing them to go to these cities. No. They're being asked, where do they want to go? And these, cities, these immigrants are saying, I want to go to New York. I want to go to Boston. I want to go to LA. I want to go, I want to go where these mayors and their administrations have said, they will provide for me. You've invited them in. Now, I, I find it interesting that these groups that are doing this, the, the political parties that are doing this, claim to be democratic, but they've made up their mind for millions of Americans. And now that they're suffering the consequence, 
Now they're crying that, oh, by the way, uh, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not democratic. We're not our own. We need the government to come in and bail us out. Why do I bring this up? Because it looks a lot like, well, it looks a lot like the German Democratic Republic. The other, you know, the 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 other quote unquote democracies that we hear about that claim the the sphere of democracy, but are actually use that democracy to take them to socialism. And that socialism means I now got a a government that's running this for me and that government is making a mess. The government is now set, they've set standards that maybe we didn't agree with. But we think we're all, we think we're a democracy because we get to vote for which criminal is going to be in office rather than realizing we don't establish legislation and those who are representing us aren't representing us, they're representing their political party or their financial patrons. These are what democracies look like. Throughout history, this is what happens. And this is where these organizations are trying to push the United States. Not, hey, we've got laws. You have a constitution. Any statutory law by by the federal government has to follow that constitution. We have states with constitutions. Any law created by the legislature of that state must follow the state and the federal constitution, must be within those bounds. Any executive must exercise, they must execute the laws to the best of their ability. We've walked away from that. And we've allowed emotion to run our country, just like a democracy. We allow laws to be created, not because there's a statutory need for it. No, 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 no. We have to do this for, do it for the children. Wait a second, you're talking about taking the rights of the majority away because of a tiny, small minority that, no, you got to do that. Do it for the children. The socialism we see is the function of a, 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 this utopianism of a pure democracy, that if we just claim to be democratic, then everything will be wonderful. There's a reason why America was not built as a democracy. There's a reason why every state has, is supposed to have a Republican form of government, and the United States is supposed to guarantee that. See, the process, it is slow for a reason. It is, in many cases, cumbersome for a reason. Because democracies are ruled by emotion, while republics are ruled by law. It's real easy to get people wound up about something. It's a lot harder to take the time and find the data, the facts, the history, and use that to create laws that not only deal with the real problem, but follow the previous law. And if there's a flaw in that previous law, to convince people to change that law. The classic example is prohibition. There was a small group of people that said, you know what, alcohol is bad. Because some Literally, they, the, 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 the story is some men get drunk, um, they beat their wives, they blow their, their paychecks, therefore we have to prevent people from drinking. So we're going to ban the sale and manufacture of alcohol in the United States. That was their plan. It was a small group of people that pushed for this, the prohibitionists. 
They got the the problem was they couldn't get the laws passed because you had the Constitution in the way. But they got their emotional argument to modify the Constitution. They got the states to join in because of an emotional appeal. And it didn't work. And it didn't work until another group of people made the same made another emotional appeal to repeal prohibition. That's the legacy of democracies. Regulation by emotion. Sometimes it's legislation by emotion. But not by facts and data. I have another break, and I want to take a look at some of the other consequences of this, of our our rush to democracy here in the United States. Before I go, though, you know, here at AmericaOutloud.news, there are a lot of different voices from a lot of different points of view. Every day I go to AmericaOutloud.news to get information, to see what's going on, to get other people's point of view on the world around me. I think it's important that you do as well. Not only that you join us there, but you find these stories and you share them. To take an article that really speaks to you or, or a podcast or a video where someone explains something better than you've ever been able to explain it before and then share that. Share it with friends, share it with family, share it on social media. It's the act of sharing information from other points of view that helps secure the blessings of liberty. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
Welcome back, Everyday American, to rejoin the Constitution Study. And today we're looking at this push to turn the United States from a republic into a democracy. And we're trying to understand why, and then uh, hopefully we'll have a little time at the end, we can start asking ourselves what we can do to help protect our rights. There's one that you think about democracy is they rarely remain democratic. They, they always tend to, you know, they, they claim to be egalitarian and, you know, one person, one vote, and everyone's equal. Only it turns out like Animal Farm, where some animals are more equal than others. Every democracy I've seen, you end up with a, not an egalitarian leveling, but you with a ruling elite, a group of people who effectively act above the law. For example, we've seen today, we see today in just how different people are treated based on which political party they support. For example, we have a a, a new report that uh, it appears Joe Biden may have assisted his son in defying a congressional subpoena. Now, listen, as far as I'm concerned, a congressional subpoena isn't worth wiping your backside with. See, unless there is a true legislative purpose, there's no logic to having these hearings because Congress is not an investigative body. It's a legislative body. It's not a judicial body. It's a legislative body. But let's put that aside for a second and recognize, hmm, so you have one group of people who defy congressional subpoenas, not just Hunter Biden, by the way. Um, who was the attorney general that was found in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena? Um, yeah, it, it was Eric Holder. And refresh my memory, was he a supporter of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party? Oh, yeah, Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet with all that, we have, um, you, you, if you are, put it this way, how many people spent years claiming that um, George W. Bush or Donald Trump were not the, the, the legal president because their, their elections were illegitimate. How many of them spent time in jail? How many of them were even charged for the disruptions that they did cause? Not simply for staying there, for disruptions. Yet you have Donald Trump being accused of insurrection, not by the judicial system, by the political system, because he told people to peacefully make their voices heard to their representatives. See, a lot of people see this as a double standard. It's not a double standard. It's the way democracies work. If you are part of the protected class, well, you're protected. Just look at the language used. You have, we, we, we not only have collective protected political classes, the law states there are certain protected classes. They get special protection. If you happen to be black, if you happen to be homosexual, if you happen to be confused about your gender, well, you get special protections that everybody else doesn't have. Democracy is not leveling. It is a mechanism where we end up with a ruling elite. See, while some people, you know, it, it, when when Trump was accused of having um, this, a cache of, of documents, uh, classified documents he didn't have legal access to, um, after 
they worked with the Secret Service while they were working out the details, and the Secret Service complied with the records, uh, uh, the, the National Archives request to improve security. Donald Trump, Donald Trump's house was raided. He was cooperating, but his home was raided. Joe Biden has classified material in his garage next to his Corvette. He was never raided. No one ever searched his properties for it. Yes, eventually this information came out, but only after it was discovered that he was withholding information or that he, that he was adding onto these documents. By the way, documents he didn't have legal access to, he didn't have the ability to declassify, unlike Trump. Nobody raided his house. If you happen to be in, in the area of D.C. on January 6th, 2021, and I mean from the 5th to the 7th, if you flew in to the D.C. area, you're on a watch list. You're on a watch list and you're being followed by air marshals. And in some cases, well, you're being raided by heavily armed FBI SWAT teams. We're, we're, again, we're not talking about you know a couple of cops at the door. We're talking about AR-15s, flashbangs, um, blowing the doors off with, with charges to gain entrance. Why a heavily armed squad to arrest, uh, in this case, a gentleman by the name of Jonah Westbury? For misdemeanor charges. Because he walked into the Capitol and was on the Capitol. Misdemeanor charges. He gets swatted. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, this isn't a, a problem. This is a feature. This is how democracies work. Not what they call a democracy. This is how real democracies devolve. They end up with people in power that exercise that power. Because in a democracy, it's all up to the people. And if the people don't exercise their power, if they simply sit back and let other people do it for them, that's how democracies are taken over and lead to socialism. Democracies are right. Since the people, uh, just look at history, right? People want other, someone else to take care of things. They don't get involved. So you end up with a now $34 trillion debt because government is doing things and the people, well, they can't be bothered to be engaged. In a republic, at least you can engage with your representative. We don't even bother doing that. That's a different problem. But this, we, we, we have to spend this money. Why? Well, we said so. We didn't legally authorize this. I, I've done uh, rep uh, articles showing that how what something between roughly 75% of the money the federal government spends is embezzled. They don't have the legal authority to spend money on that. Think about it. You want to know why we have a $34 trillion debt? Because we thought we were in a democracy and we just let the, 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 the rulers in government do whatever the heck they wanted without any question, without any challenge. That's why you see efforts to uh, force you to drive an electric vehicle, to uh, change your light bulbs out, to change what the washing machines and dishwashers and, and appliances you use, to get rid of, of gas stoves and, and gas appliances. 
this push to force you in a certain direction. That's what happens when democracies mature. People get in power and they simply do whatever the heck they want without actually having to follow the supreme law of the land. You see, when you form governments, they naturally attract people who want power. <laughs> you know, who was the, the outlaw who asked why he robbed banks? Because that's where the money was. People who want power go to government because that's where the power is. Because most American, the American people sit back and do nothing while their representatives violate their oath of office. And as George Washington warned us in his farewell address, sooner or later, some leader of some faction, either by skill or by luck, turns that into, a desp into despotism, into simply taking control and telling you, oh, you want you want a job, forget working for the government, you work for a private company, but we think you need to put an injection in your arm. Sure, it hasn't been tested for efficacy, and the tests for, for, uh, for safety have been laughably inadequate, but we know better. We put you in charge. We, 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 you, will put, you will put that in your arm, or you won't be able to work. You won't be able to run your business because, well, we got somebody else. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let that company run their business because we like them, but you, nah, not so much. And notice how many of these rules, these regulations, are being implemented by people who, who call for democracy. Now, don't get me wrong. The Republicans do it as well. They just seem to be a little subtler about it, I would say. But if you're talking about democracy, we are seeing the, 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 the logical consequence of being ruled by emotion and in that emotion turning over the pop the power that the people have through a democracy over to a ruling elite so when you see california saying hey we're basically going to de facto ban gas stoves you shouldn't be surprised you've elected a ruling elite you've said from a, as a democracy we're just going to turn over all of our power to this small group of people that will make all the decisions for us and well, if it comes to our freedom and liberty, we will we will pray that another ruling elite will protect us from this ruling elite, and we end up in socialism. We end up enslaved because democracies don't work because people just aren't willing to put in the work. Even if you believe that democracy is the purest form of government, human nature says the people will not put in the work. Not enough of them, which is why Lenin, I believe Lenin was correct, that democracy becomes a tool of socialism because the people won't put in the work. I saw another article that kind of got my attention along this line, and that is the, the House plans to uh, start formal impeachment proceedings against uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Okay, I think there's reason for them to do that. That's not the point. Part of the question is, um, are you, as you, American citizen, waiting around for someone in government to uh, deal with this problem? You have a, a um, what many believe to be a corrupt uh, DHS secretary, one has violated his oath of office, one has, has acted um, badly, as in a misdemeanor, 
Are you going to sit back and let somebody else go through all this? Or are you working with your representative to make sure that, well, both that, that Mr. Mayorkas goes through the process, but that he gets a fair hearing? It's not enough to simply say, uh, hey, you know, we're going to impeach this person. They need to have a fair hearing. Even Mr. Mayorkas is due, due process. And we have to work to protect that. So I, I want to spend some time before we close out the day and say, well, what can we do? And it's, 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 I've said it over and over again. And if you're tired of it, I'm sorry, but it is still true. You fix D.C. by starting at home. There's a reason John Jay said every member of the state ought diligently to reinstate the Constitution of his country. It wasn't because he was expecting D.C. to fix all their own problems. It wasn't because he was expecting the states to keep things in problem. He was expecting the people to be knowledgeable of the supreme law of the land so they would recognize when their rights were being violated, so they could prepare to defend and assert their rights. And no, you protecting your rights is not going to fix Washington, D.C., but it may make your life better. It may help you prepare for when they're coming to take your rights. But remember, it says, and teach the rising generation to be free. I would expand that to teach all generations to be free. Let's teach not just the younger generation, which is very important. How about we teach our, our neighbors, our friends, family members to be free, to stand up for what is right, and then, well, start working in our local community, our neighbors, our city and county government. And you're, I'm sure there's someone out there going, Paul, that's not going to fix Washington, D.C. You are absolutely right. It's not. The goal is not to fix Washington, D.C. The goal is for you to live free. And that doesn't start in Washington, D.C. That starts between the walls of your house. And you grow it and you expand it and you help find people that will not, that'll help you defend your rights. You make sure that they're the ones holding the office of sheriff or, or maybe in a, a county committee or, or a city attorney, you find people that will protect, help you protect your rights, and you make sure they're the ones you choose to represent you in these governments. You have a lot more impact at the local government than you do in D.C. And here's the interesting thing. Here's the genius of a republic. See, a constitutional republic, as long as you're holding your elected officials accountable, starting with the ones in your backyard, that changes. That, that, that people start doing that, then the people at the state level start looking at their rights differently. The people in, in state offices. And when you start changing the states, the District of Columbia takes care of itself. So if you're concerned about the United States being pushed into a democracy, being ruled by, by emotions and mobs rather than laws and constitutions, start in your backyard. Head to the website, constitutionstudy.com. Find information you can use. Sign up for a mailing list. Maybe consider the Patriots program. These are all tools for you to use to help you Protect the republic in your backyard 
and then maybe expand it to your city, your county, possibly even your state. See, that's the interesting thing about a republic. You hire representatives. You don't have to keep track of absolutely everything. You hire people that already understand the Constitution and their oath and your rights and their duty to protect them. Remember, the Declaration says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. You hire people to do that job for you. Because that is how you enjoy the blessings of liberty. You only get the blessings of liberty when you're protecting them for yourself and you hire representatives that are protecting them as well. Now, I hope you'll come back and join us here at the Constitution Study. We're on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't listen then, every episode goes to podcast generally a day or two after it's heard on the radio. And you can listen in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review. Whether you listen live or you listen to the podcast, do this so that other people learn about the Constitution study as well. They learn about America Out Loud, and they learn about the voice of freedom. You can find all the links you need right there at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But we don't, this only works if we share this information. You start by protecting your rights, then you share that with others. You can share those links when you share them and you help other people know you're sharing the blessings of liberty and helping other people enjoy them as well. Mm-hmm.